Our passage today is taken from Psalm 127. Hear the word of the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to late and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of, a wo- of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Now, as I had mentioned earlier, and you've probably noticed already, Pastor Mike is out today. He's at a uh, missions conference in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, their missions conference is a month long. Now, missions committee, you guys want to start doing a month long missions conference? (laughs) No, but the point is this. Missions is actually year round, isn't it? It's not just one week. It's not just one month. We support our missionaries year-round. We want to be cognizant of that. Whenever we put on a weekly event like that and we're ready to go, our missionaries, it's a, it's a year-long thing in which we support them, right? So he's not exactly on a vacation today. He's actually preaching this morning at their mission festival. Now, as we know, Pastor Mike has been going through the book of Psalms. He's specifically been going through the Psalms of Ascent. And today, we're taking a look at Psalm 127. Now, I wasn't here last week. I was, actually, I was actually on vacation last week when Pastor Mike threw, went through Psalm 126. My son Benjamin had a golf tournament up in Destin, Florida. I'd never been up there before. Anybody been up that way before to Destin, the panhandle? So we leave Cutler Bay. Ten hours later, we're still in Florida. It's like, it takes forever. We, we leave, we're going, we're going and going. Like, are we getting anywhere here? Finally, ten hours later, we're finally, we finally make it to Destin, Florida. We had a great time last week. But as always... It's great to be back worshiping with you in the word of the Lord. Now, as we get into the psalm today, this is a very interesting psalm. And I don't know if you've noticed it right away. But when you read it, something stuck out to me when I started studying the psalm. It's almost like it's two psalms in one. It's almost like this psalm should be separated into verse 1 and 2. And then verse 3 to 5. And here's why I thought that when I first read through it. The first two verses focus on the vanity of life. What in essence seems to be a meaningless existence. That is, apart from the Lord. So verse 1 and 2 really make it clear that we lead meaningless existences, no matter what we do, unless the Lord is in it. Unless, as the sermon's title today is, unless the Lord is the foundation of the foundation of everything that we do. The final three verses seem to take an abrupt turn as they focus on the blessings of God when it comes to the family as expressed in the gift of children. Now, parents, you can't laugh at that. Your children are a gift, right? They may not always seem like a gift. I know they rebel at times. I know it's not always easy being a parent. But here in this psalm, There seems like there's a contrast between verse 1 and 2, as we're going to see, and then kids, verses 3 to 5, being a blessing from the Lord. I have three kids of my own, you know, are you guys perfectly behaved at all times? Yeah, three yeses, no, I don't think so, all right? They just lied, okay? We, we, We know that they don't behave all the time, all right? No, they're very good kids. But here's what we need to know going forward about this psalm. 
it's not two different psalms. It shouldn't be broken up into uh, two different parts of the Bible, right? It all makes sense when you look at the context. So look at the context. To the Jew, work and family were intertwined. In other words, for the first two verses, we're going to just again in just a second. Why would one build a house if they weren't going to take care of their family? Why would one guard and watch the city if there was nothing of importance to guard or watch or anything of value to guard or watch? And in that culture, sons specifically would actually help guard and fight when the enemy was at the gate, as we see in verse 5. So the psalm, even though at first, if you have a first reading of it, it doesn't really seem to flow, when you look at it in its context, it flows quite nicely. So don't look at this as two different psalms in our modern type of understanding. In contrast to the vanity that we see in the first few verses, living life apart from God, we see here in the, fi- see here in the final few verses the blessing that God offers if we keep him as our foundation and if we keep him at the forefront of our minds. Okay? So there is a flow although it might not seem like it at, at first, but the, it is interwoven quite nicely. Solomon, of course, is the writer of this psalm. He does a great job pulling the two together, as we're going to see. And so there are two points that I want to take a look at today. Point one is this, that life, and we all know this, right, but it's really, it's really pointed out in the psalm, that life without God is meaningless. And before we get into too much detail, I mean, I think about this all the time. How does somebody that doesn't have the Lord in their life How do they deal with sickness? How do they deal with just the mundaneness that life can have from time to time? How do they deal with a boss that they might not particularly like all that well? Or just getting up and doing the same thing over and over again? Well, here's what Solomon says. He's going to say that it is meaningless unless the Lord watches over it. Unless the Lord is in it. And that's the key. Unless the Lord is the foundation. And then point number two is this. That God blesses those who are his. And specifically, we're going to see in the context of these verses, the blessing our children. So life is meaningless apart from the Lord, of course, without the Lord in it, right? And then number two, the blessing that he offers those is his children. Now, if you don't have children, don't fret. God still blesses you. Still, you can still follow him in everything you do. Life can still not be meaningless, right? There can be tons and tons of meaning in your life as long as you're following the Lord. So it applies to you today as well. So let's look at the first two verses. Verse 1 and 2 say this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now if you notice something interesting in those first two sentences in verse 1, The author, Solomon, begins both of these verses with the word unless. There's a comparison here. A contrast, if you will. Unless what? Unless the Lord builds the house. Unless the Lord watches over the city. Well, unless what? What happens? Unless the Lord, everything else in life is meaningless. What the watchman does is vain. What the worker does is vain. It doesn't matter what time he gets up in the morning to work. It's all in vanity. The laborer is in vain. 
The watchman it is in vain. You and I, what we do, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watches over us, it's all in vain. Without God, no matter what Solomon endeavors to do, no matter what the Israelites endeavor to do, it's all in vain. And Solomon, he doesn't waste any time, does he? He gets right to the point here. There's no beating around the bush. He just gets right to it in this psalm of ascent. That unless the Lord is in it, it's meaningless and it's vain. And unless he is the foundation, what's going to happen? All of our endeavors in this life are bound to fail. And everything is going to crumble away unless the foundation is the Lord. One commentary points out, this is kind of interesting, that the motto of Edinburgh, Scotland, appearing on its crest, is a Latin motto. Now, I took Latin in seminary. I don't remember it very well, so I'm not going to read it in Latin. I'm going to read it in English so we understand it. But here's the motto of that city. This is very, very relevant. Without the Lord, frustration. Without the Lord, frustration. How relevant is that, right? How down-to-earth and just matter-of-fact and true is that? Life is frustration without the Lord. This is exactly what Solomon is getting at here at this, as far as this point is, is concerned. That everything is futile without the Lord. Everything will be destroyed eventually, right? What are we all going toward? Everything is going toward death. Everything is pointing toward death because we live in a fallen, sinful world. Everything we build, all of our structures are one day be torn down. They, they decay. Our, our new iPhones, right? The one we, we got last year. It's, well, I want a new one already because it's decaying. It's getting old. It's, it's, uh, it, it's too slow, right? Everything is decaying, right? So the point is this. Everything is going to be destroyed one day. Everything is going to its ultimate end unless Jesus Christ, unless the Lord. We can't take anything with us in the end. What good is building a house? What good is building a city? When in the end, it's all going to perish? What ultimate good is there to rising up in the morning, even working hard, eating the bread of anxious toil, if in the end, there's no eternity? If in the end, the Lord is not our foundation? And in the end, if the Lord doesn't bless it. Now Solomon here, he's not saying this. He's not saying, don't work hard. He's not saying, don't watch over the city. He's not saying, sleep more, be lazy, right? I didn't get too much sleep last night because our husky was running around all night long. He wouldn't stay in the cage. Well, he didn't want to stay in the cage. He had to go to the bathroom. See, hey, he went outside numerous times over and over again. Alicia had to get up. She turned on the light, right? That means I was awake, so I'm a little bit tired today. He's not saying, don't work hard. He's not, not saying, don't, care of what you, don't take care of what you have. He's not saying, don't preach just because you're tired or just because you didn't get a good night's sleep. He's not saying that at all. But what he's saying is this. He's saying the big overarching point here that applies to each and every one of us here today is that a godless life is futile. A godless life is futile while a God-centered life, a Christ-centered life, offers ultimate fulfillment in him. So a godless life is futile. This is the big overarching point, right? While a Christ-centered life offers everything that we need within him because of who he is. Not because of who I am, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. But that's not all Solomon is saying here. He's not saying that everything is in vain, right? 
he actually gives hope. And he offers hope in verse 2 when he offers what God offers his beloved sleep and rest. Hope. The hope is found in the fact that we as believers don't need to live like everybody else. We don't need to live hopeless, futile lives. The Israelites didn't have to live meaningless, vain lives because God is their rest. And if God is with us, if he is our fortress, if he is our shield, if he is our ultimate watchman, if he is the one who never sleeps, then what we endeavor to do in this life is not in vain and what you and I do has ultimate meaning. Our rising early means something. Our work means something. Plug it in. Take time to think of something that might have been meaningless to you. That means something because of who Jesus is. That's what Solomon is saying here. And in verse 2, what does he give to his beloved? Sleep. In other words, there's peace because we serve a God who himself never stops working for us, never stops watching over us, never will ever leave us, and that in turn makes whatever we do meaningful as long as he is the foundation. He rewards those whom he is with. So if we're working for him, it's not a works righteousness, by the way, but no matter what we do, we will be rewarded, whether it's now or whether it's in eternity. God takes care of those he loves. He takes care of his children. He takes care of you and I. And every single day we get up, we should thank him for never, ever, ever letting us go. We're in his hands. He's grasped us. Nothing can take us out of his hands. He is his Here's another point. Whatever may come of the city, whatever may come of our work, we can lie down in peace and leave it all in the hands of God. Even if a city is destroyed, even if we lose our jobs, even if a child falls away, we can lie down in peace because of who Jesus promises and who he is. And that deserves a big sigh of relief, doesn't it? In an age of anxiety, in an age where we just see war all around us, oppression all around us. As we know, we have such little control over our own lives, don't we? I mean, sicknesses and diseases, COVID, think about COVID. None of us could control anything that was going on during that time. But through it all, we don't need to fret because Jesus has it. But we got to learn how to put our trust in God. And as we learn to put our trust in God, we can learn to have and experience the peace that he offers the Israelites 3,000, 4,000 years ago, that he offers his disciples 2,000 years ago, that he offers us here and now in this day and age. We as believers have God watching over us because he's sovereign over all. We have peace in our works and our lives, and they are not meaningless. And that's what Solomon is getting in the first two verses there. Apart from him, it's vain. With him, it's full of meaning. Don't ever allow yourself to have Jesus not as your foundation. And then he moves on. Point number two is this, that God blesses those he loves. He certainly does. He blesses those he loves. And in the context of this passage, what do we see? That he blesses families with children, and children are a blessing from the Lord. And again, before we go, don't go, too, go, go too much further, this applies to those who don't have children because the Lord blesses you in different ways as long as you keep him at the forefront of your hearts and your minds, right? So even though we're talking specifically about children here, it does apply to everybody today. 
And in this psalm, it does talk about children. So let's read verses 3 to 5 together. It says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Think about that. Heritage we'll talk about in just a second. They're a fruit and they're a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Now, again, as I mentioned earlier, it kind of seems like there's two distinct psalms here, but there's not. There's a flow here between the first few verses and the final three verses. Remember, and here's how one commentator put it. Why are the watchmen protecting the city if not for the families that live in it? Then as now, the family was the basic unit and most important element in society. The only difference, this commentator said, is that the ancient Jew knew it, and we generally do not. In fact, I would go as far to say this, that we, in our day and age, are living in a culture and a society that is actively seeking to destroy the family, not build it up. We, our culture wants to tear the family apart because, here's the reason why, because at its heart, culture hates God. So whatever God has ordained, whatever he has ordained is good and well, what's culture going to do? Sinful culture is naturally going to try to destroy whatever God has ordained is good. And at the heart of that is the family. And we see that in today's day and age, as we'll just see in just a second. But here in verse 3, we read that children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the, of the womb, and a reward. But one key is that as we see the family grow, as our families bear children, who's the one at work? Just like in verse 1 and 2, just like the one that watches over the city and watches over our work, God is the one that blesses, and he's the one at work. He's the one that blesses the family and children, and because of that, we should see children as a blessing from God. Who's the one that builds the house? Who's the one that watches over the city? It's God that raises up children, here's the key, and provides for the family in the city. So as we're raising children, as we're raising warriors for God, what are they doing? They're going out and they're multiplying. They're going out and they're spreading the word of God. They're involved in the Great Commission and missions, not just Mission Week, but mission all year round can happen because of the blessing that children are that are raised in the Lord. The great commission that we see in Matthew 28 can happen every single day if we're raising our children in the Lord. Think about that. Think about our city of Miami and think of all that goes on in it. It seems like it's very hedonistic at times, doesn't it? It seems like especially, especially our own culture, the one specifically here in Miami, is just all about self, self, self. Think about the people you know that don't know the Lord. Running around, buying all the latest toys and gadgets. Why? Because they have a God-hold hole in their heart that they're trying to fill with something else other than God. They compete to see who can buy a bigger house, have the most expensive car, look the youngest rather than age with grace. And this is nothing new to humanity. It's nothing new to Miami. But it does say something about the human heart, doesn't it? Now contrast that to what God says here, to the peace that believers can have. We don't have to chase the biggest and the best because our reward is in Christ. We don't have to cave to vanity 
Because we know one day what's going to happen with our bodies. They're going to be made anew. There's going to be no more depression. There's no going to be no more anxiety. My uh, son, William, yesterday, he went to a, uh, it's called the Miracle League, I believe it is, and it's a bunch of uh, disabled children who, who don't have much in life, and they have loving families, of course, but they can't play baseball, and so the team went out there, and they, they played baseball with these kids for four hours, and, and, the ki- and everybody hits a home run, of course, they all get hits, they all, they all get to play the game, but you know what, those kids, one day, they're going to be restored to new. There's going to be something greater than the Miracle League that, that, that my son went and helped with for these kids. And that something greater is Jesus Christ. Because one day in heaven, their brains are going to be remade new. They won't have mental retardation anymore. They're going to be made whole. There's going to, there's going to be no more sickness, no more pain. And those kids who are just suffering with disability now will be 100% new and whole because of who Jesus Christ is, because of who God is, because he loves the children. He loves those that loves him. But we, of course, have to be within his plan and his call and be as believers. When we lay down at night, despite what's going on in the world, God is our watchman and we can lay down in peace, not seeking to drown our fears and sorrows in alcoholism, in workism, in extramarital affairs, but seek our peace and comfort in God, right? And so back to verse 3. For the family, he blesses us with children. The Christian family, we see children as a gift of God, not a hindrance. We don't just see them as a blob in the womb of the mother who can just be discarded at our own whim and our own desires. Scripture calls children what? A heritage from the Lord. A reward from him. Think of that word heritage. It's a unique, a unique word, isn't it? What does it imply? It implies something that lasts, something of worth, something of value, and that's exactly what our children are. Something that gets remembered from generation to generation, passed down from generation to generation. I mentioned in the past that my, my, my kids like baseball cards. There's a baseball card out there, and it's a brand, it's called Topps Heritage. Well, Topps Heritage is a throwback and represents and remembers designs of the past and players of the past, great players of the past. Our heritage is much more than that, though, right? Our heritage is in the Lord, and our children are unique in him. We don't own our children. We're called to raise them up the best of our ability, but we can't change their hearts. Praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit does that. But what a blessing they are. And remember... God's blessing on the city begins with his blessing on the family, as we see. And the sermon today concerning children being a blessing and God's blessing on the city, and a country for that matter, beginning with the family could not be more relevant to our day and age, and in, in, even in, in all, almost all of history, right? With the destruction of the family and the destruction of children in the womb, the U.S. and the West in general has never experienced a time, I believe, when we were more under the judgment of God than now, right? But here's the thing. Jesus offers hope. So no matter where you are, no matter what you have done, no matter how bad that may have been, you are forgiven because of who Jesus is in the grace of God. Sin is not the end. Sin does not have to have the final answer here in America, here in the West, right? Among our lives in general, it does not have to have the final answer because we have a Savior who is full of grace, who loves us, and we're called to turn to him. 
We can turn from our wicked ways. All of us can do so. And we as a church should be the first to look at ourselves before we start pointing the finger at everybody else out there. We as the church should examine our own hearts, right? How do we treat other people before we start judging other people? Look inside, then look outside. So repent because of God, of who God is. And verse 4 to 5 says this, Like arrows in the hand of the warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gates. So verse 4 here speaks to children as what? Arrows in the hand of a warrior. Now specifically, this is talking about sons because sons and fathers were expected to defend the city. They were expected to defend the city gate as we see in verse 5. Nevertheless, all children are a blessing from the Lord. And as verse 5 says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. So both sons and both daughters were expected to help the family survive whether it was farming, whether it was gathering food, whatever it took, they were expected to help the family survive. A quiver, what did that do? It held the arrows of the warrior. When you're in battle and you have a quiver, right, what happens if you just have one arrow? You're going to be running a lot, right? You're going to be running the other way a lot. You shoot your arrow, and what's, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, right? I wish I had more of those. In the same way, the Lord blesses the family with children to expand his kingdom, but practically also to defend the city in the psalm as he's talking about, but spiritually to expand the kingdom of God, Matthew 28. For those that are single again or don't have children, this applies to you as well. We know that singleness is a gift of God as Paul speaks about in the New Testament. Not all are called to marry. We know that some people can't conceive. And to you I say this, the Lord still has a mighty plan for your life as well. No matter where you are or where you are called, the principles still apply that we're talking about today. Each and every person in here, no matter where they find themselves, whether you're a child or an older adult, your life is meaningless apart from God, but full of meaning and full of life with him at the center of it. And he will bless us all, certainly, in different manners. All of us should remember Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, or given to you is another way to say it. The New Living Translation says this, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And I know almost every person in here, at least every believer, can attest to the fact that the Lord always meets you where you're at. But he's got to be the one watching He's got to be with you when you rise early. He's the one that blesses you with children. It's all under his care. Remember Abraham? All the way back in the Old Testament, what did God promise him? That the descendants, his descendants, would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, and that he would be the father of many nations. And what a blessing that was to Abraham. Children are an inheritance from God, and a heritage in so many different ways. And as we close, I would ask this. I would ask us to remember this as a church, that we're always called to seek the Lord first. Don't do anything apart from him in, him in this life. Through it all, your children are a blessing. They're a blessing to us. They're a blessing to the church. They're a blessing and participation in the Great Commission as we're going to be celebrating again 
uh, in the coming weeks. And when Christ is the foundation, the city, our work, our family, everything we do, it's not in vain because of who he is. And we can experience revivals just like we saw at Asbury, just like we saw other colleges throughout this nation, but we've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. We've got to rely on the Lord. We've got to rely on his work, not our work, as we participate with him in what he's doing in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Psalm 127 and the Psalms of Ascent in general. We ask, Lord, that we would be participants in what you're doing here in Miami, in our families, as it certainly starts in our families, to our husbands, to our wives. Lord, we ask that we would treat them with love and respect that they deserve, that we would see children as a heritage in the Lord, not just something to be thrown out, not just something to be set aside, not just, something to, not just uh, people who just watch TV and, and, and just do nothing all day long, Lord, but warriors for you. Lord, we thank thankful that you have laid the foundation, that Jesus Christ has saved us, that apart from that, Lord, we are nothing. We remember that. Help us to always live on the shore, solid rock of who Jesus Christ is, setting our families there, setting our church there, setting our Sunday school there, our youth ministry there, our lives on that solid rock. Be with us as we close today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.